ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the first edition of Love and Fantastic Game Film. No, this is not a renaming or relaunching of the same podcast. What this is, is the first episode of our expanded coverage that I talked about in the last episode, in which I will be covering a film festival in Austin, Texas called Fantastic Fest, which is one of my favorite film festivals in the world. It's a genre film festival that brings in films from all over the world of all different kinds of genre, mostly horror, mostly science fiction, some that don't really have a place in any conventional shelf that you might put a movie on. Some of these movies just simply exist to be, in a word, fantastic films. There's been some really great films over the last few years that have kind of uh, had their launching point at Fantastic Fest. Some even contemporary. John Wick, for one. John Wick launched at this film festival. And I'm sure that John Wick would have taken off regardless. But the fact that it first played at this film festival with the audience that it played with, with Keanu Reeves right there in person to you know, literally reach and touch and talk to this film festival is like very few others in the world in that the filmmakers kind of tend to hang out all week. People who, who come to this film festival become lifelong friends. It's a little weird. It's a little culty, but man, it's a, it's a great time. If you're into films, if you're into horror films and things like that, and you know, If you're into sports movies, chances are you're also into just plain old good movies. And there's a lot here for you. There's a lot here for you than you might think. And that's kind of why I wanted to cover this film festival with this sports movie podcast. is because, you know, I do liken it, like I said, like a basketball tournament or a volleyball tournament in which you're going to come. You're going to see a lot of movies that you never really would have seen before. You never would have opened your eyes to seeing. I love almost any movie from South Korea because of this film festival. Almost any movie from South Korea that plays this film festival, I end up really loving. And it's because of this film festival. And aside from the films, there's a lot of really cool events that this festival puts on. Parties, different kinds of screenings, podcast recordings, trivias... The launching of tabletop games have been has been done in the past. All sorts of really crazy things. This year, there's going to be a recording of a very popular podcast hosted by a friend of mine named Eric Vespi uh, called The KingCast, which is a podcast all about Stephen King books and movies. And it's a highly successful podcast that I'm really looking forward to hearing be recorded live and Believe it or not, there actually is a sports aspect of this film festival that I can cover. Every year there's an event called the Fantastic Debates, in which two people debate over a topic, and they debate civilly, or in some cases in the past, not so civilly. But once everything is said and done, how better to end a debate or an argument than with straight-up fisticuffs. These debates are held in a boxing gym, 
And after the debate is held, the two contestants get to battle it out mano a mano or woman to woman. I'm not sure what the Latin equivalent to mano a mano is. But point being that there is boxing that I'm actually going to get to cover and tell you guys about. And so I plan to do all of that. You know, see as many movies as I, as I can, see the fantastic debates, which I usually skip because I'm so into the movies. But I feel like this being a sports movie podcast, I kind of have to cover the one sport related thing that I can at this festival. But yeah, we're going to go ahead and do that. Before I get into the 10 movies that I'm most looking forward to, and it's not even so much movies, the 10 movies that I'm most looking forward to. These, This is me going by the schedule and just seeing 10 movies that popped out of me in the first half of the festival. So basically what I'm doing is covering what's interesting to me in the first half of the festival. Before we do that, I think we're going to do a little bit of the regular type show that I usually do. Because there have been a couple of really interesting sports stories that have been that have broken since I last recorded. And one of them is an update on the story that I reported about earlier this week with Brett Favre. So if you'll remember, it was discovered this week that there are text messages that Brett Favre sent involving him in a scandal that people knew about from a couple of years ago in which he took funds that were given to him from the state for speaking engagements that he did not do, and he took he took those funds and he donated them to the university where his daughter played volleyball to build a new volleyball stadium. Well, since this came out, Brett, Brett Favre has actually paid back that money, with the exception of the interest, which is about $280,000 that he has not yet paid back. But the reason why these text messages came to light this week is because there is a woman named Nancy New. Nancy New ran a nonprofit at the center of the whole scheme, and she was at the center of these text messages with Brett Favre, basically saying that she was conspiring with the governor at the time, Phil Bryant, to funnel money from the welfare fund to Brett Favre in order to get the new volleyball stadium built. And... In the text messages, he said, basically, you know, hey, the media isn't going to find out where this money came from. And she assured him that nobody would ever find out. Well, she has since been under investigation for misusing these funds. And as of this morning, her and her son have pled guilty, which means that she's copped a deal. And basically, it means that the walls are closing in on Brett Favre on this scandal and like I said in the episode, this is brand new information. This is not the fact that he took the money. The fact that now he knows where the money came from. Like it wasn't like somebody misled him. It wasn't like somebody lied to him or took advantage of him. No, he conspired and he organized and he he ordered the code red to put it bluntly and there's still going to be more information coming about this but i encourage you if you're interested in the story to find as many sources and as many sports podcasts that are willing to legitimately talk about this because the big 
media, the main media companies like ESPN and Fox, they don't want to talk about this story. And it's puzzling and it's strange and it's frustrating that they don't want to talk about this because Michael Vick very correctly went to prison for organizing dogfighting rings. He did a crime. He was sent to prison. He paid his debt to society. Now, in some people's eyes, he should have never been allowed back onto the field. And I'm an animal advocate. I love animals. I love dogs. The whole debt to society thing, I feel like, was paid. In the prime of his career, he went to prison for two years. He lost two or three seasons of his prime. And when he came back, he was still good, but he wasn't as great. And he wasn't as great for as long as he could have been. What he did definitely impacted his career. And in addition to the time served in prison, I believe he paid his price. People will compare the Brett Favre thing and the desire for the coverage to the way in which they covered Colin Kaepernick and his kneeling scandal. Which really bothers me. Because Colin Kaepernick did nothing wrong. He never broke a law. He never even broke a rule. All he did was silently protest police brutality. And he did it in the most innocuous way that he felt like he could. And had it not been for one curious reporter who asked him one day during the preseason, Hey, Colin, why is it that you kneel during the anthem? That's when everything blew up. Had that one reporter never asked him, Colin Kaepernick might still be playing to this day. Colin Kaepernick never broke a law. Never broke a rule. And they talked about it for months. They still talk about it to this day. Brett Favre knowingly stole from the poor. It's abhorrent. It's disgusting. And I hope the walls do close in on him. Because he deserves to pay. Second big story from this week also kind of has racial implications, but it is a quickly developing story, and I don't have all the details. Nobody does. But the reason why I am talking about it and bringing it up is because it is a live wire of a story that can bring some real damage and harm to people and people's relationships. Late last night, as of this recording, this is September 22nd. Late last night or early in the morning of September 22nd, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, who is the biggest newsbreaker in the NBA, he sends out a tweet very late in the, very late in the evening, early in the morning, your preference. In the tweet, says Woj, ESPN sources, Boston Celtics coach Ime Udoka is facing possible disciplinary action, including a significant suspension for an unspecified violation of organizational guidelines. Discussions are going on within the Celtics on a final determination. Very vague. Super mysterious. If you know anything at all about NBA Twitter... 
They love drama. They feed on drama. They're like piranhas. Any juicy bit of gossip gossip might as well be a medium rare steak from Chris Roots. Like they gobble it up. And within hours, it's uncovered that basically Ime Udoka had a consensual yet inappropriate relationship with a female staff member of the Boston Celtics. Now, two things are important. Ime Udoka is engaged. And if the story isn't wild enough or isn't bait enough for NBA Twitter, Ime Udoka is engaged to famous actress Nia Long. Beautiful actress Nia Long. Twitter immediately goes crazy. Now, with a story this salacious, people immediately forget that the human beings behind this story are, in fact, human beings. Within hours, people are making jokes about Nia Long. People are making jokes about Ime Udoka. People are Googling how many women work for the Boston Celtics. What are their names? What do they look like? They're finding their pictures. Women have a hard enough time making it in, in professional men's sports. And for a story like this to come out the way it has, unresponsibly, with no details, people are reporting on things as fact when they don't have facts. I'm guilty of it too. I made a joke that I made a joke that was more poking fun at the Los Angeles Lakers than it was this situation. I said, you know, anyone who's dumb enough to coach or any any coach who's dumb enough to cheat on Neil Long deserves to have the team he coaches for trade Jason Tatum for Russell Westbrook. That's more of a joke and a dig at Russell Westbrook than it is this situation. But there are people who have looked up, people who tried to guess who the woman on the staff was. Some people guessed a woman named Allison Feaster. It is not her. It's not her. But people looked up Allison Feaster and they found her pictures. And she's an attractive woman. Not that it matters. But there are some people who are automatically doing, you know, comparing her to Nia Long. And Nia Long is a famous, beautiful actress. And Allison Feaster is an attractive woman. She's not a professional actress or anything like that. And so people are automatically just saying the worst things about Allison. They're saying the most disrespectful things about Nia. They're, of course, torching Ime Udoka. This is a story that has definite ramifications for the people involved. This can affect Allison Feaster's marriage. This can affect Ime Udoka and Nia Long's engagement. This can affect his well-being, even though he's in the wrong. He didn't break any rules. Well, he might have broken team rules. He didn't break any laws. And what's messed up about this whole situation is he potentially could be suspended for the entire upcoming season. And to put that in perspective, Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns is only being suspended 11 games for having assaulted nearly two dozen masseurs. 
In the NBA, Gilbert Arenas, in a dispute with a teammate, brought a gun into the locker room. For that, he served 50 games. Latrell Sprewell, in a practice that nobody has video of, but Latrell Sprewell, in a practice, tried to choke his coach. For that, he got 68 games. For having an an improper yet consensual relationship with a co-worker, Ime Udoka is going to be suspended for the entire year. It's definitely not right. And the facts in this story are still brand new. A lot of people don't know. And so I'm not going to speculate anymore. But that's basically the two biggest stories coming out this week. And this is, you know, this is a story that people are going to have questions about or like at the very least law and order svu is going to make an episode about this like as much as it shouldn't be news it is news and as much as it probably shouldn't ever be made into a tv show or have a documentary made about it it probably won't be we're going to go ahead and take a quick break and then i'm going to tell you about 10 films that i'm excited for at fantastic fest Okay, we are back. So, Fantastic Fest. I already told you as much as I can about it before, but here I'm going to tell you about 10 films that I'm really looking forward to. Some of them I don't know anything about. And so, I don't have much to tell you, but I'll tell you why I'm excited about them. Number one, opening night film. Opening night film is always an exciting thing because it's the first film of the festival. Everybody is excited about it. The last few years, it's been a contemporary Hollywood film that's going to come out pretty soon. And in this case, that's definitely true. It's going to be a horror movie called Smile. It comes out September 30th, so it comes out in eight days. Literally right after the festival. But, you know, we can see it now and we can see it. Well, not for free. It's kind of an expensive badge but you know you can see it within the aspects of this film festival which is a fun crowd a crowd that really respects film is not going to talk throughout it and so because of that yeah you're, def- you're always excited about the opening night film now smile itself is based on a short film called laura hasn't slept which i haven't seen and in all honesty I'm probably going to watch right after I record this episode, so I could have watched the short and then recorded this, but that's not how I chose to live my life. The trailer depicts a woman in a psychiatric appointment who talks about seeing a an entity, whether it's a person or a thing, whatever it is that she sees, she seems to be the only one who can see it, and it's always smiling at her. Well, at one point she sees it, and then freaks out on the psychiatrist and then all of a sudden she has this huge creepy smile right before killing herself and throughout the trailer that's basically all you see is you see people with these creepy smiles who aren't moving who aren't closing their eyes it's very creepy it does kind of remind you of the film from a few years ago called truth or dare where whenever the spirit or ghost or whatever it is from that movie i honestly can't remember takes over a person before they kill themselves, they would basically have a creepy smile and then endure some kind of weird accident. So I don't know if that's the case, but 
what has me interested about Smile personally, beyond opening night, Fantastic Fest film and all that, uh, another another one of my not favorites, but a film that I that I like that I think is kind of underrated. Underrated for me. Generally, I'm I'm pretty easy to please when it comes to horror. I love horror movies, and unless it's like super terrible, I'll probably like it. And there's a film from a few years ago called Lights Out that is also based on a short film. The short film is great. It's like two and a half minutes. It is super scary. And somehow they managed to make a 90-minute feature out of this two-minute short, and it's a pretty good movie. And so my hope for Smile is that it's at least as good as Lights Out, which is honestly not a very high bar to, to go over. So, yeah, Smile is number one on my list, and it's the opening night film. So I'm definitely excited about that. There's a movie from South Korea called Hunt, which is directed by a guy named Lee Jung-jae. It's his feature directorial debut. And I don't know much about this movie, but all I knew about it going in before I watched the trailer was that it's from South Korea. And I already talked about how much I love films from South Korea because of this film festival. And so I will take a chance on damn near any movie from South Korea that plays this film festival. Now I watched the trailer for this movie and the trailer blew me away. And before I even read the synopsis, the trailer reminded me of just a really slick eighties over the top action movie. And it, involves two guys who are kind of going at each other and it sort of reminded me of tango and cash it's probably not going to be or have quite the comedic element that tango and cash will but it just it seems like a, a slick 80s espionage thriller and in the synopsis it's set in the 80s in the 80s when the military dictatorship reached its peak kcia foreign unit chief park pyong ho and domestic unit chief kim jong do are tasked with uncovering a North Korean spy known as Dong Lim, who is deeply embedded within their agency. When the spy begins leaking top-secret intel that could jeopardize national security, the two units are each assigned to investigate each other. In, the te in this tense situation where if they cannot find the mole, they may be accused themselves, Pyongho and Jungdo so slowly start to uncover the truth and become aware of an unthinkable plot to assassinate the South Korean president. Man, if that doesn't get you excited as somebody who just loves action movies, I don't know what will. Definitely excited for Hunt. There is a film called Blood Relatives, directed by Noah Segan, who is a huge friend of the film festival. Noah Segan may not be a name that you're familiar with if you're a general movie fan, but you've probably seen his face. If you remember a movie from a couple of years ago called Knives Out, he is the enthusiastic cop who is a big fan of Benoit Blanc. And so you've seen his face. He's also a really good friend of Ryan Johnson's, who directed Knives Out. He's also directed Looper. He's directed some episodes of Breaking Bad. He directed the Fly episode of Breaking Bad. I don't know whether or not you think that's a good thing. But I think it's pretty cool. He directed Knives Out, obviously. Ryan Johnson is one of those friends of the festival who has become such a huge success in Hollywood. It sort of gives 
the people that love this film festival like a sense of legitimacy that like people really want to be a part of this thing that we get to spend a week hanging out with and loving next on the list is the menu which is another contemporary hollywood film i don't really know much about based on the trailers it seems to be some kind of riff on the most dangerous game where people are going to end up being hunted but i am intrigued by it because it stars annie taylor joy who i think is a phenomenally talented actress and also stars ray ray fines as the I'm guessing sadistic chef that part isn't really revealed in any of the trailers but he does sort of seem to be the villain of this story and Annie Taylor-Joy uh, seems like she's gonna be really good in this and so you know I'm definitely looking forward to it kids versus aliens another one I don't know a ton about but I do know that it's directed by Jason Eisner who directed hobo with a shotgun and whether or not you think Hobo with a Shotgun was a good movie, it was definitely a unique movie. And it's something that, one that resonated with me, resonated with me so much that I sought out a 27 by 40 edition of the theatrical poster for Hobo with a Shotgun. I liked it that much. Uh, Kids vs. Aliens, it, it, the synopsis is, is interesting. I mean, you know, besides the title of Kids vs. Aliens, there's not much else to go on, but you really don't feel like you need much else to go on. Because it's Fantastic Fest, you think that it's probably going to be pretty good, and because it comes from Jason Eisner, it's probably going to be interesting and unique, and it'll probably be like nothing you've ever seen. And so, that in and of itself makes it worthy of being on my list. One of the themes of this year that I noticed as I was perusing through a lot of the films is, so every year Fantastic Fest chooses a country of theme. I don't know who the country is this year. I should have looked that up before I mentioned this. But I do know that last year or a couple of years ago it was Mexico. And it seems like Mexico would have been a more appropriate choice for this year. Because there's a number of films that involve, you know, brujas and santerias and just the kind of stuff that you know i as a mexican kid growing up found very scary and super creepy and to this day kind of still kind of creeps, creeps me out there are there are a number of things in horror films that like don't bother me slashers don't bother me dismemberments don't bother me you know, just most violence of any kind, I'm generally okay with as as far as horror movies is concerned. What gets me is kind of the religious stuff. Uh, demonic possession. I'll still see those movies, but de- movies about de- demonic possession, curses, brujas, santeria, that, all that kind of stuff, it creeps me out, gives me the willies. And there are a number of movies like that this year. Uh, one on the list being a movie called Evil Eye, which, as a as a thing, to as a Mexican kid to hear the phrase "the evil eye," kind of raises the hairs up on the back of your neck. There's an anthology film made by all Hispanic directors called Satanic Hispanics that seems like a cool, very slick mix of different genres and styles and the cool thing about anthology films uh, 
is that you know if if what you're watching you're not really into you usually have to wait 10 or 15 minutes and there's going to be a new sort of film coming out on screen that you'll get to watch fantastic fest does a really good job of programming documentaries this year there's a documentary called mr organ from a guy named david farrier david farrier has a tendency to make documentaries that end up being about nothing that that they seem that they'll be about for example he directed the movie tickled which was about you know him kind of stumbling on this phenomenon of people who were into watching people get tickled and there is a weird kind of sexual element to it but if you watch that movie and you go through the end of it it's that's not what that movie ends up being about and it's really fascinating the rabbit holes that he goes down and Mr. Organ is going to be more of that. If you saw the movie Tickled and you know David Ferrier's documentary style, the less I tell you is probably the better. There's a movie called Disappear Completely, which is another one of those movies from Mexico that's about brujas and brujerias. It's probably going to be really scary. Uh, finally, there's a franchise film that has kind of appeared at Fantastic Fest that started um, a franchise called VHS. Really cool idea for anthology films that people break into a house and they stumble upon this just piles of VHS tapes and they just keep watching them one by one. And they're all about different things. And the VHS movies are the perfect example of what I talked about, where if you don't like what you're seeing, Chances are in the next 10 or 15 minutes, there's going to be something else that you that'll come on that you might like. VHS has sort of been like that. There's there's been four or five different. This is the fourth or the fifth different VHS movie that's come out since the, since the first one. All of them are hit and miss. Very few of them go four for four or five for five. So, I you know, I don't expect all the films in the anthology of this version, VHS 99, to be a hit, chances are there's going to be some misses. But, you know, I personally always look forward to the next VHS movie. That is going to about do it. That pretty much wraps up the first half of the festival that I'm excited about. I'm, I plan to record, you know, three or four episodes during the next seven days. And so they're not going to be, you know, part of the regular episode order. They're going to have this new sort of subtitle, Love and Fantastic Game Film. So that way, you know, they don't get, get caught up in the mix. And if this, is, this isn't your thing, that's perfectly okay. If what you really want to hear from me is the sports movies and sports movie reviews, we can do that. Uh, hopefully I can, you know, make some more friends and arrange some guests to come on. <laughs> I'll definitely try to do that. But yeah, until next time, I'm your host. JC Deleon. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at JC Deleon1. You can follow the show on the same platforms at Love Game Film. It's been a fantastic time talking with you guys, and we'll see you at Fantastic Fest. <laughs>